Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Tech Connect Podcast. I'm John Martin. And I'm Dean Reverman. Dean, we preach uh, a lot about marketing yes. on the show. Yeah. Talk about stuff like, you know, where to start, some best practices. You know, we're um, marketers. So we are. Yeah. It would make sense that we talk a yeah, lot about we, marketing. We like yes. talking about marketing because we, we do a lot of marketing. Yes. But again, I feel like we've done a lot of stuff about kind of like base level of like, you know, how do you start marketing? Where do you begin? Mm-hmm, where do you, mm-hmm, what do mm-hmm. you do? The basics, to, the fundamentals. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But we don't talk enough maybe about the folks that are already out there doing it. Oh. Because I'm hopefully everybody, are if you've going? been listening to this pod, you're yeah. marketing on a regular basis. Oh, I got you. But maybe you need to get a little bit more out of it. So we're upping our level today. Yeah. We're going like 200 levels course yeah, or 300 sure, level yeah. course. Let's, yeah, because it's not, <laughs> not graduate studies oh, oh, quite oh, yet. Oh, okay. Got but it. But maybe, it. you know, maybe taking things a little step further than, yes, I know how to send out emails. And I like it. Market on Facebook. I, got I a, like it. I got a, I got a little web page and a <laughs> Facebook profile and... <laughs> If that's all you got, you maybe you need to go back and start yeah, some of those yeah, other episodes. Yeah, but absolutely. We're going to go a little further than that. Uh, and, and maybe, you know, what you can get more out of your marketing now. Nice, so, nice. so we've got a great guest with us again. We've got Tolgar Alpagut from, yes. uh, from uh, IPC Mobile. Yep. He's going to talk to us a little bit about this. He's a, he's an expert in all things marketing. He actually asked to come on the show. Yeah. It doesn't happen too often. Usually no. we're out there begging people to come on. Right. He apparently likes the show well, and watches Because he's got it. good stuff to say. He's yeah. like, no, 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 no. i got to well, straighten okay, out that, your audience. That's probably it. He's probably like, yeah. <laughs> These guys, I, I know I can set some folks straight. These guys are mucking it up. I'll come in here and, there it is. and set the record there straight. It is. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're yeah. going to talk some about some stuff like buying journeys, attribution mirage, oh, which is I one of those terms like I, I, I knew the concept, I but I didn't have that term yet. No, I, I'm, I, I am so that stealing that one. Yeah, You should. Yeah, totally Absolutely. 100% so we're gonna, I am. We're going to use that term. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, marketing with minimal resources mm-hmm. and but you know, also, like, come on, you need more than just the bare minimum yeah, here. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. We're going to get into LinkedIn a little bit as a popular platform and yep. what, what he thinks about because that. Because we're B2B, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about some, you know, some of the newer marketing tools mm. that people are talking about, things like mm. AI, some of the social stuff, automation, mm-hmm, and get mm-hmm. his feelings on those and All whether right. they're useful or not. All right. And we'll wrap it up with some some takeaways of maybe some stuff that our VARs can go out and actually do with their business. I like immediately. it. So, I like it. Everybody could use this one, it sounds that's right. like. Exactly. Come on. All that plus your usual, as I said, value to the VAR, what's tech connecting with us. It's time to plug in and get connected. Welcome to the Tech Connect Podcast. It's time to get connected. All right, as I mentioned, our guest today, Tolgar Alpagut. I think I said it wrong in the intro, even though I already asked you about how to say it, but I'm going to get it right this time. Yep. Uh, he is the VP of Marketing for IBC Mobile. Tolgar, thanks so much for joining us today. We appreciate having you on. Tell us a little bit about your background and how you how you got into marketing. I'm always fascinated by the path people take to marketing because yes. I, feel like, I feel like nobody goes to school and says, I want to be a marketer, marketer. and yet a lot of us end up there <laughs> somehow. So let's hear your story. You know, I think that's actually a brilliant way to position it. Thank you, gentlemen, for having me on. Um, yeah, I've been in the marketing space for about 19 plus years and technology for 21 plus. And so really that's kind of the fusion of where the collaboration started. Um, initially I was actually working in the entertainment and movie space, uh, film space, uh, and from there transitioned into technology somewhere around the 1998 to 2000 mark when Y2K was prominent, I was programming in COBOL and slowly got my feet wet actually into, uh, marketing at that point and began to transition into the technology space, manufacturing and industrial automation, most recently working with professional engineering services, 
as well as VARs uh, for uh, companies like GE and SAP working end-to-end supply chain. So we're talking from farm to fork, all the way from raw goods, all the way to the end. Genealogy, track and trace, all of the things that what we call industrial internet of things brings. And in that space, all of these previous skill sets that I had, whether it be customer service, whether it be my time working at McDonald's, whether it be working in the manufacturing space, have all translated as a culmination of understanding how people react and act and their behavior of how they intently pursue something, right? And that's really the concept for me is understanding the psychology of it. And so marketing became more of a a people watching experiment rather than sort of an objective of just trying to define purely a sales objective, which is kind of where the alignment tends to fall. Uh, so why I love it is I, I recall when I was uh, a freshman in college, a lot of folks that had an initial um, study or a focus would transition to psychology the next year. Whatever they were majoring on, then it pan out and went psychology. And it was sort of a culmination of understanding. Similarly with marketing, regardless of where you are, there's a lot of inherent things that you've done in your past that can all translate to the marketing space because of that people connection. True. Although I'm going to challenge you on one of them. Uh-oh. Cobalt programming to marketing? <laughs> I mean, dude, you have to be in like the one percentile there. <laughs> yeah, no, there's not usually a straight line. That. No. That's, a, that's a pretty general no. line, I think, at best. But. I'll take you on the programming a, side, though. That's good stuff. I had a journey where I was pursuing MCSE. All right. So I did want to become Microsoft certified. I had A++ certification and then COBOL was, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) All right, all right. The programming comes in handy, right? It does, yeah. Knowing some HTML or translating that over into that world. Exactly. It's all good. I, I appreciate, though, that, you know, because you're right. I think those of us that are in the marketing world were people that kind of get people in some way, understand yeah. how yeah. people work. Yeah. The psychology aspect, as you yeah. mentioned, you have to understand a little bit about that because you have to some understand about what, yeah. what motivates people to do mm-hmm. things. Because that's what mm-hmm. marketing is all about. We're trying that's to, right. you're trying to make somebody do something yep. that yep. they otherwise maybe weren't planning on doing. Or you know? perceive it a different way. Yeah, exactly. Like that. Yeah. So, so yeah, mm-hmm. I like that. I like that idea that like, you know, your life experience can lead you there, which again, I think is why a lot of folks don't plan on starting with marketing. No, right. But yeah. they get there because their life experience kind of teaches them a lot of the yeah. stuff that makes sense to be yeah. a marketer. Yeah. So. That's true. That's true. I dig it. Yeah. yeah. And to piggyback on that point, just, you know, it, it's an oversimplification, but I think we've all heard everyone is a marketer at some point. And if you are a marketer, you may object to that statement, but really it's about your influence on family and friends, right? It's about relationship building. It's about credibility. It's about trust. It's about providing entertainment, education, information. So if you're doing that at a personal level, that can translate to what you do in a professional level, if you understand kind of that core psychology of for it. sure. There you go. Yeah. Oh no, we yeah. work in a company where everybody thinks they are a marketer for sure. <laughs> hey, I got a great idea. Anya. Have you ever thought about doing this? Well, <laughs> it, it doesn't help that our marketing department is made up of so many types of jobs that do oh, a little bit of hodgepodge. No doubt, dude. So, yeah. 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 75 opinions yeah. You know, roaming around the office. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Uh, anyway. Okay. Well, so let's get into this conversation about getting a little bit more out of marketing. Because again, you know, I, I think, you know, let's, I want to talk to some of the folks who at least are doing doing something baseline and mm. ideally are out there, at least mm. maybe they have some kind of an email program. Maybe they have a, a social presence. Maybe they've got a, a you know, a, some kind of a website. I remember everybody typically has some kind of website, mm-hmm. but maybe your, your site's maybe even a little beyond the basic, you know, and you're just, you're out there doing stuff, but maybe you're trying to figure out like, Hey, what, what else can I do? What more can I do with it? So, you know, I know a lot of big part of what we talk about in marketing and, you know, part of the understanding of marketing is, is customers buying journeys. You know, if you understand your customer, how they get from, I need something to I've bought something and now I'm implementing it. It's important to know that. 
and and what led them to obviously to your company, your product is getting more challenging than ever. Now we know that's a, a a big problem on the net is figuring out you know okay how did how did someone find me and my mm-hmm. company? How do they figure out the right way to get to me? And if and if once I know that, then maybe I know where I'm supposed to be devoting my efforts. But that's getting harder than ever. I know one example, for instance, is Apple updated you know their at iOS some point years ago where like attribution for email you know mm. if you're using the Apple email app or whatever mm-hmm. is not as easy was as it was before. You can't as easily identify or maybe not even get that information at all that someone opened up their email yep. Yep. if they're using Apple and they have some certain privacy security settings. That's just one example. So I wanted you to talk to us about this concept that I mentioned at the front, attribution mirage. This was one of those concepts I, I knew about, but again, had not really heard that term yet. And I love that term. I, I do too. Useful. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Tell us about a little bit more about that and how it's contributing to this problem of figuring out exactly how someone reaches us before they decide to buy or interact with us. Sure. Yeah, so uh, just before I begin, I'll give credit to the attribution mirage being coined by Chris Walker of Refine Labs. Uh, and that term really is, to your point, understanding how people come to your website or your forms or whatever you're looking as your intent signals. And the challenge there being is that traditionally, if a person has met with someone, got a good referral, maybe does some research, and then ultimately uses Google to come to your page, it's going to be attributed to that Google search, right? So you're going to miss all of the other intermediary layers of what got that person to that point before they went to the next step. And one of the, the quickest things, you know, from a qualitative perspective that we've even employed, and I'm sure you've seen this, is just adding a how did you hear about us comment section in your forms, right? Uh, when people come to the website. So first of all, if you're already gating your forms, that may be adding some additional friction. But secondarily, it's adding that simple question of how did you hear about us to better understand where that referral channel is sourced. For us in particular, and I always kind of allude to the old days of uh, going to the doctor's office. Uh, the uh, receptionist had a little little sign that said, "Please refer us." You know, it was always it was it was top of mind. It was always there, right? That's that's the objective. Your objective is to create an experience so good with your services and/or product or your organization that they want to refer you. And a happy customer is going to evangelize you to five to ten people statistically. Um, so. In that respect, it's really about trying to understand, to your point, the customer journey and knowing that it's not linear anymore. When COVID came about, a lot of the executive folks and you know uh, <clears throat> middle management had their own channels of referral that they'd sit with peer-to-peer advisory groups and have some sort of direct communication. A lot of that went away in person. So they had to find digital channels that they use, whether it be Slack or some other backend. And understanding where those conversations take place understanding where that peer advisory is taking place is key. And how do you get there? You need to sit with your customers. You need to actually take the time. I think that's one of the things that's kind of the lowest hanging fruit that maybe not everyone is executing on is just getting closer to their existing customers, really understanding what brought them to the table, what were some of the key channels that they used in their journey to get to you and seeing the commonalities. Is there a trend among all your customers that there's one channel that's popping up more than another that I could invest in? Secondarily, I think the key thing is that you want to be able to do things consistently. So it's it's not a boil the ocean scenario. So for attribution, you can get much more targeted in two to three specific channels to drive those activities and measure. And that and that to your point is another thing is measurement, right? I, I don't necessarily think that everyone is measuring everything, and if they are, it may not be the correct channels that they're looking into. 
I think our world, I think you've teed up quite a few things I'd like to unpack a little bit here. But uh, but yes, you know, our world as marketers is so much more complicated. Okay, let's rewind the clock like 40 years. And attribution maybe was a little bit easier. Oh, right, right. we ran this ad in that newspaper. And X people showed up. And, yeah. Right, or sales went up. And that's right. the only ad we did anywhere, right. you know. You can do some direct attribution. Right. Today, it's, it's almost impossible. And I love this attribution mirage concept. Because now, the, to further complicate it, when you're talking to an accountant in your in your company or somebody like that that wants direct attribution, right, no, no, right. we spent a hundred dollars. What Tell is my what ROI on that? Right? It's it's becoming more and more difficult for marketers to yeah, do that because yeah. of this attribution mirage. You can't attribute. You know, where, how did people find out? I mean, I thought that the article that that you that we'll obviously have in the notes here does a really good job of kind yep. of painting the yep. picture about yes, the, what it's more of a journey. That somebody might come in contact with who you are, your brand, and then the journey to actually engaging with you, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, so the whole idea around attribution mirage is is difficult. I think your your tips there were really good. It's not a linear process that people go through, right, right in their journey to become your customer. And so, knowing that is part of the battle. So, so a couple things here, uh, real quick, uh, Tolgar. You you kind of went into the whole customer. Uh, Customer persona and looking at trends. Let's dive a little bit deeper on that. I mean, we spend some time doing that as well. I, I, you're advocating that if a company is not doing that today, you know, not kind of just even on a basic level, drawing up what the customer persona is, they should hit the pause button and do that, right? What, how, what do they look like? What are what are the titles we're going after? What are the tools they're using? What are what are how are how can we engage them? What are possible channels to engage them? Is that what you're advocating? Absolutely. And I, I don't want to jump ahead to the uh, LinkedIn portion of the program, but again, you know, if I could just state that there are tools inherently available for folks to be able to draw up some of these conclusions, but. Traditionally speaking, you know, 10, 20 years ago, if I were to give my salesperson a, uh, a phone number and the person's name, that was sufficient, right? But now we know that we can get a lot more information from firmographics, psychographics, but we also see these folks talking on social channels, interacting with other organizations on their company pages, talking about their personal life. I recall sales folks that worked with you know, clients and said, hey, after six months, I know this uh, customer's kids got a, a baseball game this weekend. It was that affinity that they do. Well, a lot of that information is already publicly available, right? So there are a lot of opportunities if you mind even, and I, I just brought up LinkedIn because that essentially is the world's largest CRM, right? It, it, it's, it's a large database, but on top of that database is actual activity happening with those folks. So you're building sort of that superficial layer of behavior as well as guidance around the psychographics portion. So I would say for any organization, take a moment, hit a pause button, first understand who we are as an organization. What do we have the capability to do with our existing resources? How much do we want to budget towards marketing? You know, is it a six to 10% recommended piece of the revenue or is it, you know, are we, as Chris uh, Walker, I believe in his last uh, statistic was 2% is what most organizations are putting for budget right now. So, and, and then from there, understanding processes and, and as you target and execute on a process, minimize the amount of processes and minimize the amount of intermediary technologies and tactics to execute that process. It, there's an 
over complication of everything that's happening right now. And we need to simplify that. Right. And, and I had a former CEO used to always say you have to be a plate spinner. You got to get one plate spinning before you can hop onto the next plate. Right. Otherwise they're all going to shatter. So in that respect, yes, you, you need to do the kind of the basics of targeting and understanding, but, but secondarily it's the process. And the third is measurement. That's the other area that's not really happening is the measurement in real time to better understanding how people are interacting. Oftentimes the information comes after the sale or sometime later down in the cycle. And so you need to be able to capture everything as it happens because maybe you're not getting from stage three to stage four. So what's happening in stage one and two? I like, I want to d dive deeper on the analytics side. Did you, did you have anything to add on the whole dark social well, or the attribution morale? <clears throat> there was a couple of things here on the, some of these articles. And again, yeah, we'll put these in the show notes. This one in particular, I felt like really kind of uh, highlighted to me an explanation of how the whole dark social aspect mm -hmm, works, mm -hmm, which mm -hmm. was, it notes like a, an example, you post something on LinkedIn, someone sees it, forwards it to someone else in the company. They're like, hey, this is great. So they read an article or, uh, on the blog. They send that link to their boss. That boss then listens to a couple episodes of a podcast, mm -hmm. tells their ops manager, hey, we should think about hiring these folks. Mm -hmm. That person goes to Google, searches mm -hmm. your company, yep. and then sets up a call to talk to somebody. <laughs> so if that's the path happening, you think when you see like, hey, this person came to me because they searched me organically. Oh, this is where I was going to go. Google, yeah, these analytics are right. frustrating. In reality, wrong. in reality, LinkedIn is where this all started. Yeah, yeah, LinkedIn yeah, 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 was yeah. the first contact point. But you see that someone came to you via Google. So you're thinking, all right, I got to dump more money into SEO onto Google. So for clarity, in reality, you probably needed to put a little more absolutely. into LinkedIn. But how are you supposed to know how that? How are you supposed to know that? For clarity, the article does a really good job of showing you. Yep. So we're, we're talking about Google Analytics. And in the analyzing that you're doing, you look at your, your statistics and say, oh, look at all these people that are coming to our site directly, yep. right? Yep. They attribute it as direct uh, source. Well, when you dive into it, oh, it, that is kind of a little bit of BS in it the is. sense that 100, I'm going to throw the numbers out. I hope you don't mind. 100% nope, exactly of all visits from TikTok, Slack, Discord, Mastodon, and WhatsApp yep. are marked as direct. So if you if you get a customer that comes to you through Slack, which is not inconceivable, right. I can see a Slack conversation happening inside hey, an organization. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you you should check these guys out. Well, that's going to show as as in your in your analytics as though somebody typed in your UR right. directly, right. which is false, right? <laughs> right? I mean, or, I mean, to, or it, it, just to keep going, seventy five percent of visitors from Facebook Messenger, yep. or thirty percent. Yep. I think it's wait, let me get it right. Uh, thirty percent in instant mess or Instagram. 14% of LinkedIn is shown as direct. So you may have done some whatever, organic or non-organic effort on LinkedIn. And it doesn't matter because 14% of it is going to show up as a yeah. direct uh, way to your to your yeah. website. Yeah. So that's that was to me that was fascinating oh, yeah. and mind blowing. And I'm what like, I oh, saw man. here too was okay, when you think about like TikTok, maybe not as much TikTok, because I know a lot of folks are doing direct marketing on TikTok and mm. you can have a marketing apparatus there. Mm -hmm. But think about stuff like Slack, Discord, Mastodon, WhatsApp, yep. Facebook Messenger. All of those are places where people are typically using to communicate with one another. That's right. It's not necessarily a place where they expect to go and have businesses, you, that's know, right. you know, advertising to mm -hmm. them. I'm not saying it doesn't happen, mm -hmm. but that's not what people are going there for. They're going there to share and speak and, and, and communicate and build a community with one another. That's right. So that's happening. That means most of the time that someone that someone's getting a link to go somewhere that's going to get marked as direct, it's because someone else is actually sending it to them. And where did that person start from? That's the information that no one's getting so yeah, yeah. I, I guess that's kind of the question you're told is like yeah, what, Tolgar. what do we do with that you know like what what happens when you you're getting this hundred percent 
you know, yeah, or you're basing your analytics yeah. on stuff that is by significant you're, percentage you're putting your wrong. spend. You're thinking, all right, I gotta, <laughs> we gotta dump twenty grand more into SEO, you know, SEO this month, or we gotta right. put uh, all this more money into LinkedIn because we think that's where stuff you know happened or whatever, yeah. or or we gotta make sure our website looks that much even better because everyone's just literally just going to our website. We need to send yeah. more flyers out or something. What do you do when when in reality that's not happening? Yeah, I mean that's a challenge, right? And there's a lot of account based. Uh, marketing uh, platforms out there that also kind of render the same results. So you've invested even in a platform and you're still getting the same results. There isn't really a silver bullet necessarily scenario that resolves all of this. Uh, as we've said before, uh, one of the easiest things that you can do right away is on any of your contact forms or any of your uh, sales forms, you can add, how did you hear about us? Uh, we've done that uh, about six months ago. It's Same a game here. changer for us. Yep. Yeah. You know, in terms of being able, to, I we recently had a lead come through YouTube. Would have never known uh, directly. You know, and that was just such a unique experience. I think that's the first thing. Secondarily, is just talking to your existing customers again, trying to understand where they're currently hanging out, because you can get closer to some of those communities and be a part of the community at a thought leadership basis, right? You can contribute. We would call it the cocktail party approach, which is you're, you, you, you kind of just come in there, you hang out, you answer questions. You're not really pitching yourself. It's really just about understanding the conversation, the tone, just like any social platform, they all have their own tone. They have a different community. It's so you really kind of have to understand that dynamic. You really need to live and breathe that. So if you can identify one to two of those, from your customers, I would say that's a great area to invest your time to better understand. I think the last thing I'll add there too is if you are listening and you're not a marketing person, maybe mm-hmm. you're sales only or you're just a, you know, a leader in your company, executive or mm-hmm. owner or whatever, if you're someone who does look at your marketing department and kind of question from time to time, what are you actually doing? And <laughs> can you prove that what you're doing is useful? Oh, they're questioning you're, that all the you're time. Spending, ahead, you're yeah. spending X amount of money on this. Can you show me where it got us something? Mm. Maybe listen to this and understand like they might not be able to directly show you that, but it doesn't mean that it's not working and it doesn't mean that it's not beneficial that That's they're right. doing that because there just may not be a, a, a perfect absolute way for them to draw that straight line between we did X here and this person bought here. I mean, But you still have to explain it, right? You do, You yes. do at a, at a high level have to explain this mirage right. you know, of attribution because everybody wants to stick you know, dollars spent to attribution. Right, so right. It, we know that there's a cloud. We just right. have to ha- let everybody else understand what the cloud looks exactly. like. Just direct them yeah. to this podcast. If someone's questioning, yeah. just you yeah, know, yeah, 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 send yeah. them to this podcast. Hey, just listen to this podcast. I guess you'll understand <laughs> why I can't exactly tell you, but that most likely what we're doing is working here. Yeah, so. for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into this conversation about marketing with minimal staff, mm. minimal resources. It's a popular talking point. It's yes. something people ask us about a lot. It's something yep. we've talked about on the show a lot. Yeah, but yeah. at the same time, and I, you've talked about this. I know James Cordy talks about this quite a bit too. That mm-hmm. you have to have some kind of a baseline. You can't yep. you can't be looking for the minimal bottom way to do marketing mm-hmm. because you've got to you got to do something. You got to put a little bit of spend behind it. You got a little put of behind it, get mm-hmm, a little mm-hmm, bit of staffing mm-hmm. behind it. So what do you think VARs and ISVs should be doing with their marketing, at least at a minimum? And are there any specific tips that you do have when it comes to the idea of do more with less? I can certainly answer, you know, the do more with less right away. But let me just go back to the, the tips on the VAR. Uh, our team right now is a team of three. So it, it's myself. I've got a content writer. We have a web developer and uh, my graphic designer. And one of the things that we've done a couple of weeks ago is we've converted ourselves to our generative AI team, right? So each one of us is learning a different tool in our uh, scope of work 
to better understand how we can deliver more. Um, and the, the challenge with that, and you hear AI all the time, is that it, it can be mind numbing, right? There's just so many options out there. So again, let's put that aside for now and let's just talk about some of the simple things you can do. What are you doing today? You know, what, what is your existing process? Do you even have a process? I mean, the fundamental understanding of what you're trying to accomplish, the, the, the actual strategy and the planning, I think are areas where when I speak to folks uh, are kind of missing. It's, it's a very tactical approach. It's, it's should I be emailing? Should I be on social? The answer is yes to all, right? I mean, there really isn't a one or the other. I, I treat marketing the same way I treat diet and exercise. I've tried a lot of diets. I've tried a lot of exercises, but I found the one that works for me in this current state of place that I'm in and what I'm doing in the time that I have allotted, right? But what, what could have worked for me 10 years ago would have been completely different. I may get the same results. My physique may look the same. I may be just as healthy, but I did a completely different approach. So for that reason, it's very difficult to just kind of ingrain you should do this or that. It really is an honest conversation with yourself of what you're trying to accomplish and maybe even getting a conversation with a customer to better understand where you can take that marketing by understanding the information. But data is inherently the key is, is, is how are you collecting the data? Is it the right type of data? Is it giving you the insights that you need to make decisions that are actionable in a quick, and that, that's the beauty of the market that we live in. A lot of these things are real time. So if you want to take the time to look at it granularly, you can catch some of these things quicker instead of waiting later on. And I think that's one of the key things that a lot of folks could look into is what are some things that we can mitigate early up front that can help intentionally shorten the sales cycle and also increase conversion. I like where you're going there, and I'm gonna I'm gonna throw in I'm gonna steal from Cordy <laughs> because he's he's done a couple you're presentations. Steal, steal from the best. Yeah. I, I'm gonna steal from the best, absolutely, uh, on some of his thoughts. Or and I agree with him, but I'm gonna approach it from a different angle uh, based on some of this information. You know, one way to think about it because because you, you're right, Tolgar. I think a lot of business owners probably sit out and say, "Well, are we doing emails? Are we doing blogs? Are we doing you know?" It's mm -hmm. like tactical mm -hmm. stuff. But when you think about the skill sets that you should have in your marketing team, depending on how big of a team that you can have, you know, assuming that most organizations, it's going to be a one to three person, uh, one to four maybe team, right? right? right. And in fact, Jeff Bezos, not to quote Jeff Bezos, but when he's talking <laughs> about, you know, software development or teams in general, it, once the team gets beyond the size that you can feed them with two pizzas, it's too big of a team, <laughs> right? So if I you like can that. feed your team with two pizzas, you're, you're good to go. It's, right, it's right. A lot of creativity is going to come out of that. But anyway, let's think about the skill sets. You probably want, what do you want to internalize if you ideally could? Here's the list that I think that I'm extrapolating. Copywriting, mm -hmm. you want somebody mm -hmm. who knows your business and mm -hmm. can, can come up with your voice that's got to be unique in the marketplace, whether that manifests itself in emails, blog posts, whatever, social media, right, which right. by the way is the second one, social media management. I don't know that you want that outsourced, right? You probably want somebody internally that can do that. Right. Email marketing, of course. Performance and analytics. That's right where you're going there at the at the end, Tolger. You want to be able to look at you know your stuff and, and quantify it to what you think uh, you're trying to uh, achieve. 
Uh, and then obviously project management and maybe SEO were the, were the ones that I'm kind of calling out here. So, you know, you think about the skill sets and I think you you already hit the nail on the head with the team that you have in place, right? You you probably need somebody who can do copywriting. Uh, well, Cordy refers to it as the small army. It's a designer, <laughs> a writer, and a techie, right? right? Those right. are three kind of different people, right? Yeah. You know, you could have some combination. You could have some combination. There, but, and yeah. Sometimes you find a designer that doesn't mind doing a little coding, right, right. Uh, or you could get a Tolgar who can freaking do Cobalt for you. It's <laughs> <laughs> kind of a thing. But, you know, but writers are definitely sometimes not the techie. Right, so, right. so anyway, yeah, you can find a combination of that, but you see where, I, where yep. this is going, you know, and then you can kind of build off of that if you have the opportunity to get a little bit bigger. Maybe you're adding in video production, right? Because, right, right. you know, video is becoming so prevalent and, and getting that right, even though it can look raw, is, is kind of important type right, of a right. thing. So, yeah. But, you know, I mean, that's one of those things, too. I'll just step aside real quick. Yeah. Like, we've talked about this before, too, where everybody these days carries around a pretty sophisticated camera in their pockets. Mm -hmm. So if it's okay that if you don't have a, you know, a videographer who's not a, you know, like a, you know, a motion picture quality videographer on your staff, you can probably do a lot with video just based on what you have out of your pocket. That's right. That's right. And with some editing tools. That's exactly. So, you know, it's one of those things where like, hey, maybe you don't need that immediately. But yeah, to your point, if you get, well, if you get to that point where you can grow and expand, yeah, definitely bring something like that because it's going to help you out. And that's where I was going with the second part is what would you freelance then? Well, some things that you should freelance would be consider video editing. Like right, you can shoot right. your own stuff, but maybe, you know, Fiverr, there's there's things out there that you could maybe develop a relationship with somebody who can do your video editing, give it a little bit of pizzazz kind of a thing. Anything that's around web programming, HTML mm. or CSS or something like that. I mean, these are things that probably aren't done a lot. So if you had to outsource it, you could. And aren't and necessarily very specific to your company. Correct. Your that's a yeah. really good point, right? So, so it's kind of this mixture of leveraging external resources, whether they're freelance or third-party companies, but what is that core that you want around you? I think it's it's people who understand your business, understand what you're trying to do, can extrapolate the the data and, and quantify it that's relevant to you. These are you know, some basic blocks, right? right? Yeah. So anyway. Well, I feel like sometimes we'll get some questions too, like especially when you're marketing, you'll get some questions from folks like, hey, what are some free or low-cost mm-hmm. tools that I can use for, mm-hmm. for marketing and design and emails and just managing the program or whatever? I'm like, sure, those are out there and you can use them. But then I kind of think about spinning that back, like especially let's say if you're a VAR, and how do you feel if someone comes to you and says, hey, what's the cheapest or like free <laughs> point of sale system? That oh, I we've could, all been there. Anybody I, in sales could, yeah. has been there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. hey, I, you know, I want a point of sale. solution's great, but, but do you have a cheaper one? Right. I can go on. I can go online every year and I just put in free point of sale. And yeah, there's all right. these places I can go and get that. Like, shouldn't yeah. I just do that? Yeah. If you think, if you hear that and go, Ugh, and that makes you cringe or makes you angry, that's how we as marketers feel. When that's you, right. When you ask us like, hey, yeah. how can I do what you do, but you know, basically no cost. free or no cost, <laughs> or with just like the one guy over here that I hire yeah. that I just want to do it all. Right. You can't. I mean, you can do something, but it's not going to be as good. It's not mm. going to be high quality, mm-hmm. and it's going to probably look like everyone else who's trying to do it on the cheap as well. Yeah. So yeah, 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 yeah. It's just one of those things where you know, there's just like a lot of other parts of your business, you need to do a little bit of investment. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Tolgar, do you do you guys use freelancers? Uh, what are your thoughts on that, or or third parties for to augment your staff from time to time? We have in the past, uh, especially when it comes to things like motion graphics or um, if we're going to be do some, you know, longer editing. Uh, we recently actually uh, turned two of our unused conference rooms into a post-production studio. Nice. And so now we're doing some of that in-house. Uh, if you can't do that, there's certainly a lot of, 
you know, uh, viable options to your point through Fiverr, through Upwork, even where you can get some things quickly done. There's even AI tools that can cut up your podcast. Like to John's point, you know, the more you can be involved, the better the work product is going to be. But there are some things that you can do on the quick because I was reading a quote recently, but it, you know, it said like in the game of life, there aren't winners and losers. There's only players and quitters, right? So you just got to keep playing and, and just keep it. The polish will come. I think a lot of people inherently worry about the polish up front without really understanding the substantive messaging first. And so in, in, the, in the game of, you know, memorability and relevancy and speed in there somewhere, it really does need to come out with the relevancy first. So how good is your message? It, do you have an elevator pitch? Can you really, in the 15 seconds you have with me, tell me what you do or give me some value? 30 seconds. Can you truncate that message? Because you can add all the polish you want, but that will get lost. And they've done studies where, you know, if you don't have a great camera, but your audio is great and they can understand what you're saying, it's still incredibly effective. It's when it reverses where the audio is not so great and the video is not good. Bad. Yeah, right. so not good. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, Wheels fall off. Yep. So, so I, I think sometimes you know it's the Instagram effect where you where you see someone who's living the best life ever and you're like, I want that. But to get there, there's a lot of things that you need to do, and that was really a constructed right. view that they gave you behind the scenes. The yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Behind the scenes is an absolute chaos, and so. I think we have to have realistic expectations. I think that's the key thing first is just slow it down. It can be overwhelming because especially with the blow up of AI, there's just so many companies offering so many things and you're like, I, I don't even want to get into this. I'm so lost. So simplify, figure out who you are. If, if, you're, if your organization was a person, how would that person talk? How would they interact with people? Would they come, you know, consistently pitch your product? Probably not. If that person, your organization had a party, let's say your social channels, the party, and you're inviting people there and they come into your house and they see trophies of yours and every guest is talking about you, you know what I mean? And suddenly you start seeing that, hey, this is not really working, right? So it's about the value you're bringing. You're bringing people to you and the attraction. And that's the other thing that I would just say uh, that's inherently different now is that you can either fish or you can farm, right? And you can attract. And and the challenge with fishing is you're you're in that one percent of tam. You're trying to find exactly. And to your point, the uh, attribution model may say it was this bait that worked, but no, it was the temperature of the water, it was the sunlight, it was the current. You know, there's all these other conditions that you miss out on. Go ahead. No, I was going to dive a little bit in the tech stack, but you got well, something. No, there? I was just going to say. I mean, you know, when we go back to the idea of the uh, you know a freelancer using mm -hmm. somebody to help mm -hmm. out. I will say also, if you do find somebody that does good freelance work oh, for you, hold on to them. treat them well, hold <laughs> on to them, pay them well, yeah. because it, that's very invaluable. And we, again, we don't do it too often, but the, yeah. we have a freelance artist that we use for, yep. for graphic design for a lot of our eBooks. She is absolutely outstanding. She yep. produces great work. She does it fast. And we've worked with her long enough that basically I can send her just like, hey, yeah. here's copy for an ebook. Yep. Very bare minimum of maybe any direction on design mm -hmm, that I might give her. Mm -hmm. And three days later,
here, she's turning over a pristine, amazing looking ebook right. to me. Yeah. Because she's learned And there's about, value there, right? She, yeah, yeah. She's yeah, yeah, learned yeah, yeah. our model. She's learned and understands what you know what works and what doesn't mm-hmm, for us mm-hmm. and what we expect. And it's one of those things like I know every time that I hand something to her, I'm gonna get something high quality back. That's the kind of person like, all right, I don't want to just go out and just hand it out to whatever freelancer is gonna give me the lowest ball offer yep. to do that work for me. Yep. I'm sticking with her because one, now she understands who I am, what I do, and what I want. And I know that I'm going to get consistent work on a regular basis. So mm-hmm. if you can find that and oh, it's not someone that's in-house, 100%. that's great. Go ahead and do it. And, and treat them right, and to your point, right, because yes. there is a community. They talk amongst themselves, they by do. the way. Yep. I came out of the film industry, kind of like you, Atulgar, in the sense that all the freelancers, and there's a lot of freelancers on a video shoot, at least back in the day there right, were, right. Uh, they all talked. You know, the producers, the directors that were jerks that nobody wanted to work for, nobody did work for them, right? And so don't be that person. But, yeah, exactly. but I like where you you're going to Olgar about the the whole you know keep it simple simplifying your tech stack because I, I know as a marketing organization we have just been flooded with this AI stuff mm-hmm. and it's like oh my god you know what tools are out there are, are right. they even relevant right? right I know we've had some email conversations you me John and like Cordy it's like oh I found this tool oh yeah well here's a list of ten tools that we could yeah. use and it's like hold on time until out. you eventually just find yourself using none of them because you're like I don't know where to start <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna what, do what I always got did. time yeah right yeah. so but so there's brilliance in what you were saying there Tolga right in the sense that hey it doesn't have to be that complicated. Keep it simple. You know, be rock stars on the tools that you do use. You know, maybe spend a little bit of time. This is kind of, I think, right, where we've right. landed, right? Uh, we want to be experts on the tools that we're using as well, and then maybe pepper in one or two. Right. But I don't this whole AI thing has really distorted kind of tool sets right, right now, right. and I know it'll mitigate and ebb and flow, but... Um, well, I oh, like what he was talking about with his team. Is like, hey, each of our teams is going to take whatever part is related to what they do, go yeah. out and do a little bit of work on yeah. it, figure out what does and doesn't work. Mm. It, it's not about like, oh, yeah, it's time. Everybody just have to completely just shift all your operations over to this new AI tool. Like, no. Yeah. We know that's not the, the smart move at yeah. this point. Like, right. you know, there's there's too many intangibles and too mm. many variables to figure mm. out before we mm. get there. Dabble in it, figure out where it fits, but it's it, you shouldn't be thinking about how am I going to just completely reinvent my entire marketing <laughs> into this new world of technology and AI now yeah. and, and just ignore everything we've done before. Because yeah. no, what you've been doing was working for a reason figure out how to take the new stuff and fold it in yeah. somewhere. So, uh, well, well Tolgar, you know, I, you mentioned a little bit about LinkedIn earlier and I want to talk mm, a little bit yeah. more about that because yeah, yeah, yeah. it's, it's a pretty popular tool still, yeah, oh, yeah. especially for, for B2B sure. marketing. So I think yep. probably in our world, I know we use it for a lot. I think for the most part, you know, our VARs and ISVs are probably, it's probably one of the, the most popular tools for them to market, you know, mm-hmm. outside of maybe emails, mm-hmm. it's probably one of the most popular ways to, to market to their potential customers as well. But you know, how, what are your thoughts on it at, the, at the, this point? Um, because I know I personally can say that I find, I'm finding sponsored posts to becoming less and less effective mm, recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, unless you have a very, very specific message and a very specific audience and you're able to really narrow down and target the audience, but also not quite get too narrow because <laughs> you go too narrow, you're not getting anywhere. So oh really? Yeah. Okay. At least on the sponsored yeah, yeah, side yeah, of things, yeah, yeah. but I feel like so I feel like more people are talking about the organic side. So mm. what's your opinion on that? Do you think you know is one better than the other? When should you be using either one? And are you are you still feeling like LinkedIn is the place to go for B two B marketing? Sure. Um, I would say that I I joined our organization two years ago, and LinkedIn was the first channel that I worked to build immediately. And 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 why is that right? We know that Microsoft purchased them, wanted to increase user base. Uh, we thought that there was going to be a shift more to the company page approach, to your point, working on the sponsorship. And that was going to be kind of 
But what they've done is they said, no, we want to hold back on kind of monetizing that. We want to keep this organic and build the user base. Uh, just two days ago, I believe there's a Forbes article where they sat with the two engineers that are uh, conduct are working on the LinkedIn algorithm. And the new modification they've rolled out now is purely about thought leadership. It's about carving your niche and talking about who you are and providing value in a very specific guardrail kind of a road path, right? You don't want to disperse. So what does that mean for anyone? Well, it means if you've got a personal profile, you're probably going to get a much better reach. And why is that important for an organization? Well, evangelism, right? Through your own exec employees and customers. For us, we see much more exposure through that methodology than we do through the paid ads and sponsorship. To your point, the paid ads do play a role in some awareness building, but overall, we've really taken an organic approach. I mentioned earlier with our sales team, we do the cocktail party. You know, you, you find some targets that you're looking to uh, talk to, you know, prospects, and hanging out where they're at, joining their conversations. If they're posting and asking questions, legitimately answering that, value adding, not just saying, hey, I saw you come up in my network, we should connect, and then immediately, you know, pitch you or any of that. I, I think... I think the challenge with social is that it's it's made people feel that they can speed up the process of trust and credibility. And that inherently cannot be sped up without the value and the substance. And and that's where I think a lot of this falters is you may have a bad experience with a platform and say it doesn't work, but it's really not necessarily a platform. Did you really take the time to understand the dynamic of how that platform conducts and talks. And LinkedIn is definitely a different animal than Twitter or Facebook or any of these other channels in terms of who's on there and what they're talking about, generally speaking. Um, secondarily, as I mentioned, you know, you can mine a lot more information through LinkedIn and the organic side of building those connections and using that information in real time help you build, you know, uh, ins that you may not get through the paid. So, Again, it's a trust piece, right? So how do you build trust? That's the key thing. If we were, you know, I always talk about it being the first date, but it's like someone usually doesn't pop the question if you want to get married right away while you're at dinner. You know, I, I, I mean, realistically, though, if they did a video, if, if someone was walking down the street and was like, hey, Dean, I saw you on my newsfeed. We should connect. And I reach my hand out yeah. to you. <laughs> you may be kind of like, you yeah, know what I mean? So I think Who are you? Are kind yeah, what's of, going on yeah. here? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So I think we're kind of missing some of those kind of cues. And, and what that does is it, it shuts people down and, and they don't want to interact. So I think you have to do some due diligence of researching who you're talking to, what you want to do. And it goes beyond kind of what ads give in terms of that demographic firmographic data. And so that's why sometimes I don't feel the paid and the sponsored is as effective as organic. Yeah. I'm going to borrow from Neil Patel, who I think a lot of us know, you know, kind of in the marketing space, but he's got a couple, a couple of good takes. And I think it's, it's very in line with what Torgar was just saying, you know, engage with people in your niche, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, when you think about organic versus non-organic, I, I, I think that it's clear, yes, authenticity comes through with organic, right? And so how do you do that? Thought leadership, obviously, we're all bought in on that, trying to do even more along those lines, you know, engaging with people in the niche. So it's, it's interesting to hear you come right out of the gate saying, hey, no, it's it's all about the niche within 
LinkedIn, right? And developing your audience and the trust uh, that you're developing there uh, as well. To tie it back into the production, use video, right? Use and post video effectively. I think it's a very effective medium, especially, you know, the younger you are uh, on LinkedIn and, and your actions mm-hmm. there, thereof uh, are, are good things too. But let's let's talk about this. Cross-promoting on other sh- social platforms uh, as, as, as a bullet point. I mean, do you, do you, LinkedIn, I think we all agree is really strong in the b2b uh place but right. do you go outside uh tolgar are you are you cross-linking to facebook and twitter and uh, and things of that nature to amplify things or what's your take there you know I, i've been in organizations in the past where it was you write one post and push it out on all channels right and, and we know that that's ineffective um, again it is a different tone and it is a different conversation in each location. And if you're not investing the time to build that community, then your information is just going to sit out there. So there's really no relevance or, and you're kind of just doing a checkbox as we talked about, kind of a tactical. So I, I started with LinkedIn and then we looked into TikTok and that's not necessarily a, a place that I would say our market plays in per se, but it was one, a very effective tool for me to edit videos on the fly, right? So they've got a pl- so 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 if if you're going to record video and you know that the polish will come later, but you're willing to get good audio and you've got a great tool here, you don't have to use Adobe Premiere or something more complicated to edit your videos. You can download it without the watermark, and then now you can push it out onto all your other channels, right? Um, but how, when you push that content out, the message that you put out there has to be different on each one. The way it's written. And who you're talking to and the tone has to be different. And that's the key thing. I think that it's just a copy and paste methodology and that's very ineffective. Um, Secondarily, I do think that cross posting has effectiveness if you can create a journey uh, that, you know, is fun where maybe you can bring them from one platform to another. And there's a real reason because maybe there's a feature within a particular platform set that you can activate. Uh, That's certainly something that we've done in the past. But overall, I would, for me personally, because I don't control these channels, right? They, they, they modify the algorithm and suddenly my reach is waned and I can't get to the same people. So I'm always trying to work to move from channels to, you know, non-paid, non-rented, like email and some of our forms and things that we're building. But for social specifically, I don't think that trying to be everywhere serves you. I, I just don't. I, I think... If you understand how can I be relevant at the right time for the right person with the right information, you will be able to pinpoint one to three channels, I think, that are manageable. But even starting with just LinkedIn, where we just focused on it for seven to eight months just alone on that, was impactful. Then we could take our learnings from that and move that on to the next channel. I think you know the plate spinning uh, analogy I said before, if you're trying to do it all once and your, 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 your measurement is incorrect, your information that you're getting may not be direct. And so now you're making some bad assumptions and you may write all the channels off. Yeah. Compounding the issue. Right. Yeah. Even worse. Yeah. 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 That's good stuff right there. Yeah. yeah. I agree. Mm-hmm. I, that's exactly like what really stood out to me there is when you were like, hey, it's pick a pick a platform, pick a lane mm-hmm. and do really, really well with that before you go dabbling mm-hmm. with everything else. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying you can't have a presence everywhere. But yeah, if you're spending, if you're trying to divide up equally the same amount of time on every single one of these platforms, it's 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 going to end up lacking at the end. Yeah, yeah it's all for sure. And, and to your point, it's you're gonna you might fall prey to wanting to take that shortcut of 
All right, I just don't have it in me to do an Instagram post that's different today, so I'm just gonna, <laughs> I'm just gonna grab a separate Copy, picture paste, and throw yeah, it over yeah. there in the same text and whatever. Well, but yeah, because yeah. yeah, again, if especially if you know, granted, I, I would assume that for the most part, the people you're trying to reach are probably only following you on one of those various mm-hmm, platforms. Mm-hmm. But if they're not, or if you know, especially again, if you have some kind of a you know sponsored post or something that gets kind of pushed via algorithm to you on a different platform. And we all know how that is. You know, you, I, I will see stuff on platforms that have absolutely nothing to do with my job that still have to do with, you know, uh, you know, IPC mobile will pop yeah. up, you know, yeah. or yeah. something blue star or mm-hmm. something somewhere mm-hmm. else in our industry, the RSPA or something mm-hmm. like that, even though it's, you know, something of my personal life, just because that stuff gets tied into what I'm doing on the internet, yeah. you know, for right. work. Yeah. So, yeah, you don't want to be in that situation where someone who's following you somewhere sees the exact same, same message yeah. somewhere else because it's, it's different immediately going to start different diluting voice. it. Yeah, yeah oh, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So For sure. I like that. I think yeah. it's a, Good a very important thought there to find a place to start, and that probably is more often than mm-hmm. not going to be LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if it's not, if, if you feel like you can reach more people on Facebook, fine, start there, build it up, give it good strength, and then once you've got that, expand out from there. So I know I'm just yeah. reiterating exactly what Tolkien yeah, said. Yeah, yeah, but, but you had to take like early it. on that you think, uh, you know, uh, paid or sponsored is becoming a little less effective. I, I so kind of do. Let's, let's refine now, that a little I will, bit. So I'll give that a caveat because yeah, yeah, yeah. we're doing a little bit of different stuff than we used to. I'm, I'm thinking about from my perspective and some mm. of the things I've done mm-hmm. with like content marketing mm-hmm. and with like lead gen type marketing. I think a lot of where it is, is I feel like I think we've reached this point where maybe folks are just a little a little less inclined to give information in mm. order to access content. I gotcha. Because there's so, so the much of it out stuff. there. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So I think from that perspective, it's a little bit more of an uphill road to climb than it used to be. Mm-hmm. Now, I think if you're if you're out there doing some sponsored posts where you're just, hey, click this, and it's a one-click, takes them to everything they need, and maybe there's an opportunity there where you capture a lead, mm. but you're not expecting that, mm-hmm. I think there's a lot more to get out of that right now. I see. And we're I doing see. a little bit more with that of the, gotcha. the organic, so not organic, but like the uh, demand gen type yeah. social, yeah. where mm-hmm. it's like, hey, we just want to get as many eyes on this as possible mm-hmm. and get them knowing who this is and what this product might be or whatever. With a little engagement behind right, without it, right? expecting, hey, give me your name, address, yeah, phone number, gotcha. email address. Yeah. With the hard sell CTA. Yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> Just so you Social can take a peek number. at this thing yeah, that right, you don't right, even right. know. Yeah, I got you. And, and granted, you know, I, I, I got to figure out better ways to get better at that, too. And, and you know, to, to that point, I've just learned, hey, LinkedIn's probably not the place I start doing that. Mm. There are other places where I still find that extremely effective, mm-hmm. but LinkedIn may not necessarily be anymore. I so you. it might be a, if that's what you're still doing, if you're relying solely on sponsored posts, and mm-hmm. if it's, I, I'm using this in order to collect information to create a lead of some mm-hmm. sort, mm-hmm. you might want to rethink those efforts or, or, you know, decrease what that gate is down to the most minimal information as possible. Yeah, so I got you. That's got my you. thoughts on it, yeah. at least. So. I- I just want to piggyback yeah. on John's point, which is, you know, w- with with paid, the, the, the beauty of it is, is it's giving you access to specific targets within your criteria, right? So what can you deliver is the key thing, right? It, it shouldn't be a billboard. It shouldn't be an ad. It should be micro edutainment, right? 15 to 30 seconds of deliverable information, but I can get it to the right people. I know that it's not just floating in my newsfeed now. So that's really where we've found success is identifying those individuals who don't have the time to read a white paper, who aren't going to go to the YouTube channel and go through our catalog of videos. But while they're flipping through their newsfeed, if 15 to 30 seconds of information comes and then it comes five or six times in their path of three months, then we see them 
likely coming to us and looking for more information on the website or some of these other repositories. Brilliant. There you yep, go. That's it. Well, let's wrap this up with, you know, I, I feel like this, this conversation where this question I'm about to ask is something we've already kind of touched on in several different ways throughout this conversation, but you know, all these marketing tools, all mm, this technology, mm -hmm. it's all great, but it's not meant to be a replacement, obviously for good service, good products, yep. good people, good relationships. That stuff's got to be there first before marketing will even do anything for you. So when people are talking about, Hey, you know, I want to start bringing in tools like AI. I want to bring more automation. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to use paid social. I want to go find these cool tools for marketing and start implementing them. You know, is, is there any point where maybe that becomes kind of negative? Again, I know we've kind of touched on that. We just talked about the paid social aspect where it may not be doing quite what you want to get out of it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, where do you where do you think that maybe you need to step back a little bit and not get su super invested in these tools as, as a way to deliver all of your marketing? Sure. Um, if I can just preface it with a quick little backstory. So uh, before I was involved with film, I was also uh, on the weekends as I was going through my uh, college education, a uh, nightclub DJ. And nice. I was playing. Yeah. yeah and I was Dude, playing. Dude, what have you done different at this point? <laughs> <laughs> I get that a lot. So, but, 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 here, but here's the relevance in that, right? When I started, it was vinyl. And if, if, when you're DJing, you're, you're matching the speed of the two songs playing so that they're at the same tempo. And then I'm going to EQ them. So one fades out, another one comes in and it's a seamless transition. Couple years later, CD comes out and they create a device that now beat matches for you. So you don't even have to beat match anymore. And the older DJ community is up in arms saying this technology is taking away the creativity. This is, you know, the, and then, and then it goes to MP3s. And then now it's over air, right? So as the technology has gotten easier and it's automated, what it's done is it invited a lot more people to come and participate. But the level of the baseline of mediocrity, right, in terms of just kind of using the tool just for its baseline uh, intention increases. And so now you're in a pool of generalists, right? So how do you differentiate yourself? And that's kind of what we're seeing with AI. Gartner's AI hype cycle, we're in the hype cycle right now. And everyone's all about generative AI. And it's overwhelming because there's so many companies, so many tools. Again, you have to simplify to what you want to achieve and how you want to get the message out. So there isn't a particular tool or a particular uh, technology piece that I would say you should look at. I would say, what are some processes today that you have that you think by automating could help you become more creative somewhere else or invest more time into something else around a campaign or whatever it is that you feel is the missing piece. And so with our generative AI team, while we were looking at all these great ideas, we just said, hey, look, let's come up with a little cartoon, an animated cartoon. So we have, you know, text to video, text to audio. We have script generators. We're doing all of these things just to create a, a little test bed of 15 seconds. Can we create a little ad, right? And so in that, we discover the different tools, but we're not inherently looking for a particular tool. We're not inherent. We're coming with a problem that we need to solve by taking one of these tools and seeing. And again, all of these tools do the same thing. It's like a diet. You just got to find the one that you like personally, you like the interface. Is it easy to use? And so that's, that's, that's the real thing that I always look at with the technology is that while there are a lot of things and we can kind of go features and benefits, it's really a blue ocean they're all playing in. And so you may have a couple of red ocean differentiators where a particular tech stack is the one to go. But again, we just talked about ABM software, right? all these platforms, they were the hot buzz just two, three years ago. And now we have the attribution mirage that has come alive, right? That, that's really a key thing. So 
again, I would say simplify what you want to do, understand your objectives, figure out the resource, but most importantly, carve time to dedicate to this. I think that's the real thing. There, there is a nuance to anything. When you see someone do something that looks effortless, it's because they've practiced it so much with so much repetition. And the same thing has to happen with marketing. You know, you, you start building kind of this muscle where you know what will work and what won't work inherently. You have to become the, uh, you know, a pilot who can land a plane without navigational equipment at some point, right? I mean, that's really it because you got all these switches and you're like, oh, no, so can I first fly the plane by itself, you know? And then let me let me add an exoskeleton arm here of this tool or that tool, you know? And and so that's kind of been our approach is deductively figuring out what doesn't work, fail fast, fail forward quickly, and then trying to ascertain what we're doing. But again, using that guideline of the initial objective, always never wavering from that. Because to your point, it is, it, it's, it's a rabbit hole. I mean, you, you'll get to a point where you you will talk yourself out of doing any of it. Or worse, and, and this is what I was going to contribute or the, the path I was going to go down, and I'm going to use your baseline of mediocrity, right? Like we've got these tool sets now, and so everybody can be a marketer, oh, yeah, which yeah. we've already established. Everybody right. is a marketer, right. and now they can do baseline marketing, but you know, how do we as marketers rise above that? Well, one of the negatives I think that, that comes out of a lot of this stuff is is wasting time, money, and resources on you know very generic marketing, I would say, right? That's mm-hmm. going to get very generic mm-hmm. results. I mean, we talk all the time, you know, to customers, well, look, if you want us to go out and market point of sale in retail, sure. <laughs> we Exactly. <laughs> we could we could find people that are going to react to that. Right. But, you know, how, this is so top you of funnel. You and 60 and, other companies. Yeah. Exactly. And you're competing tremendously for that. You know, we got to narrow this down, right? right. And, and right. that's where the skill set comes in of getting very specific, right? That's where you're going, Tolgar. Is using, you know, your knowledge and your abilities and your team's abilities to get very specific in in that yeah, demand gen yeah. uh, that, that you're trying to build. Yeah. I, that's one of the, you know, one of the negative parts about all these nice tool sets is, okay, everybody's at the baseline, the baseline's higher, right. but that doesn't mean that the baseline is getting you what you need right. out of marketing. Yeah. Right. And, and I don't know if you've noticed or not, but the internet wasn't invented yesterday. <laughs> Social media has kind of been around it's been for around a for about while. almost three decades. Uh, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. people are, people are pretty tech savvy these days. People have been getting emails Absolutely. for decades yeah. now. I mean, right. I just think, you know, the average consumer whether it's a business in a business level or a personal level, we're pretty tech savvy about mm-hmm. what is and isn't clearly like pounding you over the head kind of marketing. Like we know, we know what we see when it's out there. I mean, we've already, you already hear people talking about the AI stuff. Like they know what they see when it comes out and like, Oh yeah, that, oh, for that sure. clearly is an AI image. It's somebody whipped up in mid journey yeah. or something. Yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, like, yeah. All that text clearly looks like it was thrown together by, you know, some kind of an AI program or something like people, people are already savvy to this stuff. Like you can't, you can't go out there with generic stuff and think you're pulling the wool over someone's eyes mm-hmm, when mm-hmm. you're just doing the, or again, think, the paint by numbers. Again, that whole, that baseline is just good enough, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. I got marketing out there. Right? You, you got, it still takes a, a bit of nuance. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So yeah, along there. there. That's interesting. And, and getting back to your point, one, one other final thing, the, you know, the real timeness, right, of, of your marketing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think people can get caught up in tool sets and then they forget about the, the fact that you need to be reactive. So Tolgar, it's, it's great to hear you say, you know, fail fast, fail forward. That's what marketing is all about right, right now right. in today's day and age. Like, oh, we're not using the right tech. Well, quit spending money 
over there. Right. It's not getting the results you want. You got to. I mean, we pivot within days. Mm-hmm. Am I mm-hmm. am I correct? Um, it, it, you know, it's it's that fast where you can kind of tell was this doing what we thought it would be. Okay, we need to modify something here. So that's very much in the culture, I think, of healthy marketing. Exactly. Today, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Talk about what were you gonna add? I was just gonna say that you know when we when we think of Chat GPT, right? The the GPT is generative pre training transformer, right? It, long story short, one large data set, everybody has access to the same data. So how would you expect to pull something unique out of that, right? And in, in 2008, when the recession occurred and I was working in manufacturing, right? Suddenly when I needed to increase capacity or production, it wasn't, you could add another line. You had to use what you already had and take the technologies that integrate them and now find new data, new information out of all of these machines working together to come out with new insights using what you have. And same thing with chat GPT is this concept of prompt engineering, the specificity of the questions you ask, but intermixing with your organizational data will be the key differentiator. And that's the, that's the key thing I think is not being taken to your point. It, it is the baseline. Let's just hop in there. Let's ask a question. Here it is. Populate it. Yeah, exactly. Move on. Right. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that's why I'm saying you have to take some time and nuance again, your organization if it is a person, how does that person talk? Does that person talk the same way consistently? You know, and, and it, it, is it a very generic general conversation like that? You know, how do you get to that next layer if you do need to get there? And so that's the key thing that I think all organizations that look at these tools is how do we inject some of our information in there? How do we not only use this tool set, but integrate it with what we have to give that differentiation? All right. Well, hey, this has been a great conversation. Yes. Um, before we wrap things up here, I want to quickly do the stuff we usually do at this oh, point, which is yes. thank our sponsors. We appreciate your support of the show. Like and subscribe. Yes. If you're watching YouTube. Yes. Like do those button, fun things. Subscribe to the channel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, leave right. us comments. Leave us reviews. We want all that stuff. Uh, or say you, you want to be on the show like Tolgar. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you want to be on the show, <laughs> raise your out. hand. Yeah. I mean, I'm always happy to bring folks on here. Sure. 100%. I mean, I mean, and I'll, I'll even say that for the VAR community, you know, the VAR and ISV community. Oh, yeah. We'd love to hear from yeah, you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Love to have some of you on the show. So don't hesitate to reach out. Uh, of course, if you have ideas for the show, send those in. Always a link in the show notes where you can submit an idea. You get a free t shirt just for doing it. But if you ever want to reach out and connect with us directly, you can always find us on Twitter at TechConnectPod or email us techconnectedbluestarinc.com. All right, let's wrap things up, first of all, with our value to the VAR. Yes. Um, you know, it's our way of giving a nice takeaway. You know, what can you do with what we've taught you today? Yes. So, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to try to distill this down, Togar. We had lots <laughs> of good stuff we talked about today. But if you were going to give... Take an hour's worth of content and yeah, boil it exactly. all down. If you're, yeah. you're going to do that and give a, a one solid <laughs> takeaway to VARs or ISVs, something they can do in the next few weeks to really improve and take their marketing to the next level, what would you recommend? I would say, again, hit the pause button for a moment. You know, you, you may be kind of caught in a cycle. Take a moment to just really assess where you're at. Uh, simplify. Figure out what you're absolutely currently using and what you can maximize. And then figure out where your gaps are before you kind of just jump in because of a feature set of a new tool. Try to, you know, bring clarity to your direction and what you're doing, both to the market outside, but also internally in your execution. Good like stuff. Yep. I'm going to add in there, add this to the form. How did you hear about us? Right. Yeah. That's like yeah. one thing that you, we did it a little while ago. Great to hear that you just did it like six months ago. If, if you can't believe the analytics, which apparently we can't right. believe all of them, <laughs> right. you know, get it directly from the source. How did you hear about us? That'll help you with attribution. You and go. once you know attribution, you got a better tool 
tool in your shed to to go after you know more of that there you go. kind of a thing. All right, I know I said one, but I got two quick show oh. here to add. Uh, so first of all, if you've got if you are using some kind of marketing tool right now, whether yeah, it's yeah. a CRM, something like a HubSpot or whatever, whatever kind of marketing stuff you're using, reach out to your rep for that mm. and schedule a conversation with them. All right, just to yeah, have you a, just did that. I didn't did. You? I yeah, talked yeah, to yeah. our HubSpot rep this morning just to have a conversation about like what's new, what's, what's going different. on, what's shaking. Because I know a lot of these tools, they'll send out updates. They may have a blog and they may have some little notifications that tell you, like, or they assign you a success manager and you don't even right. think about them. Oh yeah, exactly. whatever. You never know when you're going to talk to this person and find out there's things you could be doing to elevate mm. your marketing game that are either already built in or been added in at no extra charge, mm-hmm. or maybe something that for a small extra fee you can sw- mm-hmm. flip on mm-hmm. and take your game to the next level. It doesn't hurt to have those conversations. <laughs> That's a good one. Tell them what you're doing and how maybe they can help you get there. And then the other one is talk to your customers, too. What? This, I mean, I, I know that seems kind of a no-brainer, but have conversations with your actual customers yes. about, one, to your point, I mean, you know, the form thing obviously is great, but mm-hmm. if you don't get that or some way, the next time you are out there talking with someone, mm-hmm. ask them at some point, hey, how did you hear about us? Mm-hmm. If you don't know already, how did you find out about us, mm-hmm. by the way? Or mm-hmm. or even Especially just have a some, new prospect, Yeah, or just right? have yeah. some questions about them of like, hey, you know, when you're, when you're deciding on technology or you're looking at, you know... Uh, updating something in your in your facility or whatever. Where do you go to start that process? What mm-hmm. do you what do you do mm-hmm. to figure out exactly you know what you're going to look for if you if you know you need a new point of sale if you know you need a new mobile computer where do you go to start that you know mm. and you might be surprised by the answers you get that could lead you to some better ideas of where to direct for your sure. marketing efforts. Nah, that's a really so. good one. We're blessed in that we do a lot of events so we can interact with our customers. There you go. Um, but I love doing that. Yeah, yeah. and yeah, hopefully yeah. if you got a customer that's willing to tell you that stuff, just spend a lot of time. Yeah, with them. keep yeah, asking. Yeah, 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 yeah. Go back yeah. to that. Buy Wells another drink. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> get, empty that bourbon bottle. There it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, let's wrap up with our favorite segment, What's Tech Connecting with You? This is where we get to talk about something in the world of science, technology, innovation, yep. or just whatever we feel like chatting yep. about today. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Togar, we'll start with you. What's Tech Connecting with you right now? Uh, so, I recently saw a Google I.O. presentation, and uh, Dean, you may find this interesting uh, coming from the film space. Uh, there is a, a tool that they've integrated called Imagine and Fanaki, which can give you line-by-line text to video, but you can specify same way in a film script, you know, medium shot with whatever the exterior is pan here, and you can write your entire script and it will create the entire movie flow. No from shot wow. to shot to shot. Yes. It, it's, it's very new, but they did an example where it was said a balloon is flying by a giraffe with this view. And then it goes through this window and then it, go, and it just is a sequence that they just wrote out the entire script and it delivered it in video format. That's I was crazy. incredibly excited. That's crazy. <laughs> Gone are the old uh, what do they call those? The uh, the sheets. Um, anyway, oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, yeah. Gone are those. That's pretty cool. I got to see that. What did you call it again? Yeah. Where, where were the two apps? Uh, it's uh, I M A G E N is Imagine, and then Fanaki P H E N A K I. And they integrated these two together, which are both text to video and could create an entire sequence. Gone are storyboards is what I was there thinking of. Go. Gone are yeah, the storyboards exactly. for crying out loud. Storyboards. Yeah. Storyboard artists are now up in arms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm sure they are. Uh, oh, man. All right, Dean, what's second? Well, I'm going to keep going down the old AI one. Of but I got. But I, here's the headline that made me. It's like, yeah, I knew this was going to happen. Lawyer apologizes for botched 
ChatGPT generated legal brief. Oh, All right, man. so a New York lawyer is now facing a court hearing of his own after his firm used the AI tool for legal research. A judge said that this is <laughs> unprecedented circumstance. The lawyer who used the tool told the court that he was unaware that the content was going to the content that ChatGPT created was actually false, right? And so getting back to the whole thing about, you know, the tool sets you use, got to realize, got to, yep. you got to read what it's producing. Well, this is one of those examples where ChatGPT just made stuff up, just just flat out made it up. Uh, the original case involved a man suing an airline over an alleged personal industry. So the airline's lawyers wrote, you know, a, a research on it, submitted it to the judge. But that one had six. This this research that they submitted, six of the submitted cases appeared to be completely bogus. <laughs> they didn't even exist. They're like from Legally Blonde or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but as if that wasn't worth bad enough, uh, the lawyer, his name's Mr. Schwartz, who uh, from the for the uh, law firm there, said that okay, well, you know, I <laughs> I challenged GPT. So when we when, when when GPT gave me this information, I said, in essence, are you sure that this is correct? And so he's got <laughs> screenshots of this dialogue with ChatGPT, and ChatGPT said, yes. You know, and he's, he's questioning, is this Vargas case real? And ChatGPT says, yes. In fact, not only is it yes, but you can reference the database in LexisNexis and Westlaw. So it, it knows, like, where the reference, even though it made it up. So it's like... Oh man, I am. It's, it's I'm curious how the guy's lawyers. gonna do in his next bar review. You know, like. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've already heard that. You know, yeah. yeah but yeah. now lawyers are getting themselves in trouble. So as I as oh. I claimed well early, you know, wh what does everybody think about AI? Well, it doesn't really matter. Just let the lawyers get involved, yeah. and once they get it all figured out, then we can figure out what we the the, the common <laughs> meanwhile people the can lawyers use. are trying to take the shortcuts <laughs> too. So. <laughs> Oh, of course. So watch out for ChatGPT. It makes stuff up, right? We know that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it just yeah, makes shit up. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, there you go. What's chat, uh, chat, tech connecting with you? <laughs> chat connecting? Yeah, chat connecting with you. <laughs> That'll be the next iteration. Yeah, really. I, just, yeah. I, well, I don't know. ChatGPT told me what's tech connecting with me today. Uh, well, okay. I, you know, I actually had something different, and I pivoted while we were having our conversation because we were talking about oh. the idea of of AI and not believing what you see and the, mm -hmm. gene the, the genericness potentially of it. Well, I don't know if you heard about this debacle, but uh, as we're recording this, last week, Marvel's latest TV series, Secret Invasion, debuted on Disney+. Plus. Okay. Uh, don't need to bother with explaining what that is, but what apparently caused a bit of a furor about it mm -hmm. is that the opening credit sequence to the show was apparently created using AI. Oh, uh, Instead okay. of the usual having a studio, a production studio, or whatever, Artists, or a special effects you, studio, yeah, or whatever, right. you know, mm -hmm. to yep. develop the opening credits, which I don't know if you noticed, but like over the years, like, you know, opening credits for TV shows have become a big deal. You know, there's a lot of, it's not just in the old days where you just threw up a logo or had some yeah. catchy theme song and scenes <laughs> from the show with all the characters. Like, you know, it's they, they make productions out of them. They, you know, they, they give awards to these things now. Ah. Well, apparently someone decided to take some shortcuts <laughs> and just develop a an AI version. And mind you, it looks very much like what the early days of Mid-Journey were, where nothing quite looks as it seems. Uh, so, yes. for example, you know, uh, the the main character is Nick Fury, played by Samuel L. Jackson. Okay. So there's a couple shots in the, the credits that show Samuel Jackson's face. Yes. And it just doesn't really look, look like, like him. It's kind of distorted and weird and... Now, there's all so kinds of talk. they had to have known this. Well, there's all kinds of talk going on around this because no, apparently at this point, at least the last I've heard, no one's officially stepped forward from the studio or the company that did these to explain, like, 
if there's a reason behind why this or they why they this. chose mm-hmm. this or whatever, especially at a time where there's all these different, you know, people in the in the Hollywood industry going on strike yeah, sure. because of what's happening in the streaming world and, right. and you yeah. know, and and the emphasis on getting more for less and more out of fewer people. Mm. Well, there's been a lot of talk about this, about the idea that, okay, so, you know, what was the impetus behind this? Why are we why are we doing this? Some people are making their own suggestions of like, well, this is a series all about subterfuge and it's kind of a spy series and and it's all about this race of alien beings mm-hmm. who can shapeshift into other people mm. and maybe they're trying to make it off-putting so that it kind of <laughs> gels that. I'm like, I get what you're saying, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I yeah, have yeah, a yeah. feeling that wasn't necessarily no, the thought yeah. process that was put into this, right. especially yeah. when no one rushed to come out and give that as the explanation. Mm-hmm. If, it, if, if the moment someone said that, someone from the studio stepped up and said, ah, oh, yeah, yeah, right. That right. the fact yeah. that you're uncomfortable with that is exactly what you wanted to feel because it represents the uncomfort that people feel in the show, not knowing who's real and who's a scroll or whatever. Right. Yeah. It's so <laughs> I just found it to be it's a fascinating narrative. I'm curious if anyone's gonna say anything else about it. I'm also very curious because I think the new episode drops today as we're recording mm-hmm. this. See if it has that AI I'm, opening. Yeah, I'm curious yep. if they might change that up or something, you know, and <laughs> switch over and be like, ah, sorry about that, you know. We're doing something different this time. Well, so, well, or maybe it's Tolgar's, you know, a uh, little whiz bang visual creator. That there you go. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That yeah, probably yeah. could have done something better than this thing. Yeah. Looks, so. <laughs> uh, that's what's tech connecting with us. Tolgar Alpagut, thank you so much. IPC Mobile, we appreciate thank you, you joining us today. I love having you on the show. Hey, until next time, folks, we do have to unplug, but, um, you know, uh, go uh, make some movies. Just, you know, type yep. up some movies. I mean, I can do that. I can there I can't shoot a movie. I can write I a can movie. write probably, it all day though. long. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There yeah. we go. Just, that's it. The script writers now. We're just going to write the movies and generate themselves. We don't need, we don't need the directors. We don't need Marco, uh, the, the Marcos yeah. of the world. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, and, hey, uh, maybe uh, next time you're uh, in court, make sure your lawyer, you know, actually knows how to look up a law book and not uh, type some stuff in a chat GP. Chat GP. That would help. And as always, please stay connected. Technic Podcast is brought to you by Zebra. Ow! <laughs> the day-to-day use of enterprise mobile devices is integral to distribution, warehousing, manufacturing, retail, and more. But relying on employees to locate, properly maintain, and return those devices mm. can be a bit of a struggle that costs bit. your customers time and money. Mm-hmm. Nothing like people just losing your crap all yeah. over the place. Hey, here's expensive this, crap. Here's this ridiculously expensive product that I got to make you more productive. Thanks for dropping it to the <laughs> side of a workbench somewhere. Over there by the dust machine yeah, yeah. or whatever. Exactly. Thanks dust for machine? thanks for leaving it on the lunchroom table. Yeah, exactly. Setting it on top of the vending machine where right. you got a Coke out, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Zebra Intelligent Cabinets are rugged and durable storage solutions in multiple configurations and security options. Nice. Designed to charge, maintain, and keep mobile devices cool and accessible. Like, not cool as in, like, cool, yeah, you know, no. but like, you know, temperature. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, intelligent Cabinets, I'm sure there's not a soul that didn't know what I was talking about. But just, I wanted an excuse <laughs> cool, to, to do that. Man. Yeah. There's some cool mobile computers. <laughs> intelligent Cabinets mean no more time wasted tracking down devices at the start of a shift, waiting for a recharge, or making surprise repairs or replacements. Monitoring options provide real-time visibility into device status, charge levels, and devices in use. So help your customers guard their asset investments and maximize the life of their mobile devices with Zebra Intelligent Cabinets. Check out the link in the show notes or contact your Zebra representative to learn more. The Tech Deck Podcast is also brought to you by ELO and their 70 series full HD professional grade touch monitors. Nice. 
the 70 series delivers professional grade feature rich platforms well suited for pos interactive digital signage self-service document signing and more i i got a question here oh, are they oh, modular okay. at all i mean it's it's elo of course they're oh, okay. modular. there you go yeah, yeah 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 so let's talk about some features oh features yes uh narrow border touchscreen nice energy star 8.0 certified gotta have scratch resistant surface Ooh. you know in case yes. you like to throw something you think at that's it. gonna happen that's gonna happen yeah exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. people just scratch stuff all the time 100%. i mean have you seen what people do that are to their phones <laughs> You think they're going to be kind and gentle to some random touchscreen? No, you need some scratch protection exactly. right there, bro. Durable IK07 design, low blue light and flicker-free, touch on-screen display, display tilt from 20 to 70 degrees, built-in speakers, and a collapsible stand for Visa mounting. Boom. That's lots of stuff. That's a lot of stuff. Uh, available in 22, 24, and now 27-inch sizes Ooh. in black or white housings, the 70 Series delivers a quality and reliability you expect from ELO, backed with a standard three-year warranty, extended to five years mm. with optimal advanced unit replacement. So when all those idiots are out there, yeah, exactly. Somehow figuring out a way to scratch it up and mm -hmm. destroy it or something. Years down the road, you can you know safely and easily replace it. Hundred percent. Check out the link in the show notes to learn more about these new monitors.